Today, we're talking about leadership and why recruiting passionate and engaged leaders is one of the best things you can do to grow your nonprofit. All this and more coming up on Small Shop Fundraising. Hello and welcome to Small Shop Fundraising, a podcast dedicated to small to medium-sized nonprofits and the topics and issues facing them today. I'm your host, Liz Hack. On today's episode, we're talking about leadership. Leadership is really important to nonprofits, whether you are brand new to the nonprofit world, raising your first thousand dollars, or you've been in the industry for decades and have been raising millions of dollars. Today on our show, we have Aaron Miller. He is the Director of Community Leadership at the Leadership Louisville Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Liz. It's good to talk to you. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Aaron. I think it's like I'm a bad penny for Aaron. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he can get rid of me. I keep coming I've known back you for, for a very more. long. Where I'm did we met when you were with like the YPAL? Is that when we yes. first met? I Young was Professionals the PR Association director. of Louisville. Yeah. Yes, I was the volunteer PR director on the board. I was the liaison between then radio host Aaron Miller and the board of the Young Professional Association of Louisville, and that was back in I want to say two thousand five. Has it been that long ago? I was going to say it's been over 10 years ago because I left that job 10 years ago. Yes. So it, it's it's at least that. Yes. And uh, we just have kept up, which has been great. And I've gone through, and we'll talk about this more, but I've gone through several of the Leadership Louisville Center's programs over there. I, I'm a big believer in developing leaders. And so, Aaron, do you want to talk about what the Leadership Louisville Center is? Happy to. And the Leadership Louisville Center is uh, at, at its basic level. Uh, we run community leadership programs, which there's organizations like us all over the country. So wherever you're listening to this, there is probably a program somewhere in your community that is similar to our flagship program, which is called Leadership Louisville. Uh, but if you, if you get to the why of, of what we do, what we do, it's, it's about mobilizing community leaders to take an interest in the big picture, to look at the social fabric of a community, to have people in your city interested in solving problems in your city collectively. And so we have programs that are all about getting people more engaged in what's going on, you know, getting past what you think you know about your city and how cities work to meeting actual leaders, meeting elected officials, business leaders, nonprofit leaders, everybody in your city that has an important role that are the ones you see on the news and you read on the papers when there's challenges going on in a city. And how can we get people interested in being part of issues and part of solutions? So we do this with lots of different programs. And Liz, you've been through, did you do the Focus Louisville program? I absolutely did. Actually, just going through my office doing some spring cleaning, I found some of my documents and things that I had from Focus Louisville back in like 2006. Okay, and so that was before I started there. Uh, yes, it was right before you started. And I'm looking at my notes and saying exactly what you just said. I'm native Louisvillian. I pride myself on knowing my city. And I went through that program, Focus Louisville. It's just, it was just two days. And I learned so much more about the city and how it has grown up and what I didn't know, but then also how to educate others. It was really, it was wonderful. So we have everything from Focus Louisville, which is, uh, as you said, just a couple days 
to Leadership Louisville, which is 10 months. Uh, we have Ignite Louisville, which I know, Liz, you've also completed that. That's kind of our Emerging Leaders Next Generation Leadership Development Program. That's more skills-based. And then a program like Bingham Fellows, uh, which was originally founded 30 years ago with a grant from the Bingham family, so that's where the name comes from. The idea of that is how can we take these leaders, identify a specific problem, and then start to look at solutions and not just come up with ideas on how to solve a problem, but actually form project teams and start putting boots on the ground to to work on whether you know one year's topic might be about education, another year could be about a health uh, issue. This year's Bingham Fellows class is looking at belonging and how can we create a more inclusive city. So we have at Leadership Louisville Center a variety of different programs for people at all levels of uh, community leadership. We also have a division that is one and two day trainings and workshops uh, that are open to anybody in the community to, you normally would have to try travel to bigger cities, a lot more expensive other places. So bringing those uh, right here in-house at Leadership Louisville Center, we did about five years ago, and it has been tremendous for us. And just to make sure everyone knows, the Leadership Louisville Center is a nonprofit. And so it is yes. having to do all the things a small to large size nonprofit would have to do on an annual basis, plus provide these programs. And then they have an alumni. So much like your university or college, or even you have an alumni association as well, which I'm a proud member of. How have. many people are in your membership? Oh, at any given time, a thousand to twelve hundred members of our um, alumni association. We call it the Leadership Network, and there's networking events. There's an annual conference, which actually when, was yesterday. We're recording yeah. this on a Friday. Yesterday was our Best of Leadership Summit, which is a day long. It was virtual this year. The, a ton of different networking events. Back, you know, pre-COVID, they would be in person. Over the last year, it's been a lot more virtual. You know, some are are a meeting with the community leaders some are a skills-based training we've actually started our own podcast too uh, which is is a great way to stay connected to people during the pandemic so doing tons of stuff we have a staff of 16 at the moment oh, moly. i didn't um, know it was 16 Wow. And so and I mentioned you, there, there's organizations like us all over the country. So wherever you're listening, there is a leadership Knoxville and a leadership Nashville and a leadership Tallahassee, Florida, and you'll find leadership uh, Seattle and everything in between. Sometimes they live at a chamber of commerce and it's okay. just a program. Sometimes it's volunteer run. We are the largest in the country that does what we do. There are some other big ones. Cleveland has a big program. Uh, Hartford, Connecticut has a big program. There's a, a sorted uh, around the country that have more than a one or two staff people, but we are in Louisville for, for whatever reason have grown to be the largest of our kind in the country. And so just between you and me, that means that we're the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no, no question <laughs> whatsoever. The organization was founded over 40 years ago, but we weren't the first in the country to have the Leadership Louisville program. And the model that it's based on is very similar across the U.S. So you'll find if you go through Leadership Knoxville, there will be a very similar format. They're mostly 10 months long. Uh, a lot of similarities in how you explore different topics in a community. There might be an education day, a healthcare day, a government day, and a class of between 30 and 80, depending on the city, 
will uh, spend these months together, you know, building a cohort of leaders that are connected, which is part of the joy is that you get to hang out with cool people who you wouldn't meet otherwise. So, you know, nonprofit folks, we go to conferences with other nonprofit people and we go to membership organizations with other nonprofit people and we don't have the opportunity a lot of times to hang out with all the folks in all the other industries and in legal industry and healthcare and accounting and education and you name it. Uh, and that's one of the things that programs like ours do is it brings together folks that wouldn't necessarily hang out otherwise. Yeah, uh, I have a great ahead. example of that. So I graduated from Ignite in two, 2015. I am still connected to a few members of my cohort. Um, and just maybe, gosh, it was 2019 because 2020, it seems like it doesn't exist. Yeah, but we won't, it, it doesn't count. Right. <laughs> It happened. I was able to work with one of my Ignite Louisville graduating uh, alumni who graduated my f class. We worked together on one of my clients' capital campaigns. And because of our relationship, I was able to put together a first-time donation to that nonprofit of $10,000. Wow. And so these relationships that you can build throughout, wherever you are in, in the country, they really can mean something if you cultivate and really try and stay connected to these folks. You can you can have lifelong friendships, you know, and that leads me into my next question for you, Erin. What are some of the benefits of nonprofit leaders engaging in a leadership center like yours? I think a critical thing for anyone listening to this around the country in the nonprofit world is to find the nearest community leadership program and figure out how you can get involved. There usually is a tuition cost. It's from a few hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars, depending on what size city you're in. But there are usually scholarships to help offset that either partially or completely. And as you said, Liz, the part of it that is critical for the nonprofit world is to build these relationships that start off as friendships, but mm -hmm. always over the, the years to come, can turn into so much more. And the way uh, our president, Cynthia Napek, who I love working for, is she's just brilliant. She, she'll describe it as, you know, when you're a kid, you can go to the park and find a playground and make friends. But when you're an adult, there's no playground to just go hang out at. And so these programs bring together interesting people, people that share a passion for their community and an interest in learning more about their community and in being part of solutions. So it's kind of the do-gooders society a little right. bit is, is the way I, I think of it. And the ability to build connections across industries, for-profit, non-profit, government, everything in between large business, small business, you'll find somebody that is an entrepreneur sitting next to a CEO, sitting next to a non-profit uh, leader. And going through an experiential program like a Leadership Louisville or whatever city or, or community you live in. And there's no matter what size your city, there probably is one. I mean, if just here in the Louisville region, there's Leadership Louisville, there's a leadership program run out of the Oldham County Chamber and the Bullitt County Chamber in Southern Indiana. They're all over the place. There's hundreds of them across the country. And they create a playground for you to go meet people and do good things moving forward. It's so important in the nonprofit field to have leaders who are engaged, whether they are a part of the staff or if they are a part of your volunteer board in that leadership role. And with the pandemic and some of the social unrest that has occurred over the last 18 months, how do you think 
volunteer leadership has been impacted over these last 16 to 18 months? And is there something we can learn from it? I think there's several interesting lessons. One of them is around the idea of the board of directors of your nonprofit. Many nonprofits that I've talked to have found that virtual actually increased engagement with some folks that might not have been showing up for the in-person meetings, but making a virtual option, making a, the, the meeting on Zoom, they're getting better attendance at some board of directors meetings and some offshoot meetings that'll happen from that different committees have actually had great success meeting virtually. Uh, and I think that some of that will stick around. I know we're at Leadership Louisville Center talking about how we can maintain a virtual option because there's always going to be somebody on your board who something comes up at the last minute, they get stuck. Uh, and they can't get away. But if they could just click a button and jump in, even if it's 10 minutes late, they're much more likely to do so than if they have to drive across town for your meeting. We are not an, a nonprofit that is as reliant on volunteers as a homeless shelter or a food bank or you know different programs that serve the neediest and the marginalized in the community. So I know that they have struggled during the pandemic with just the, the volunteers you need every day to get things done. Since I, I'm not in that world, I don't know if that's gotten better yet, but I know that that has been a huge, huge problem for so many in the nonprofit community. And I bet it won't be totally back to normal for quite a while longer. I couldn't agree more with you. It's been very difficult for nonprofits and having this flexibility for staff and for board members has, like you said, given them options to continue to engage and not just be on someone's cell phone in the middle of, of a boardroom table, but able to engage virtually no matter where they are because everyone is a little displaced still with working from home or whatever it may be. The options, this flexibility theme that is really playing a huge role, I think, in 2021, absolutely rolls into how you can engage your leadership from a volunteer or staff. Mm -hmm. so and one of the things that we have with our program called Encore Louisville is we take retiring baby boomers and they do service projects. So we do, it's more like a consulting project um, than a volunteer to go stuff envelopes, serve meals, that type of thing. And they have had great success in virtual format, and they have been doing consulting virtually with nonprofits, and they have been delivering advice and strategic guidance and even leading brainstorming sessions and leading committee meetings. A lot of these have been happening virtually quite well. And one of the interesting things too, I think, is that uh, I've been hearing from teams in that program, and we probably work with 20 to 30 different nonprofits a year with our Encore Louisville program. Uh, one of the big things that they're getting requests for help on right now is board development, because there are so many nonprofits that have realized that their board isn't engaged. Uh, it is not high functioning. There's a lot of opportunity for the board members to get more involved, to really understand their role and governance. And I think that they've had a lot of success engaging in these types of projects virtually. So I think that's another thing. If your nonprofit has a struggle like a disengaged board or a dysfunctional board. Don't think you have to wait until COVID passes to start working on that, because I think you can get a lot done in a virtual format with that. Aaron, how does Leadership Louisville engage their board? We've got an amazing board. We, and it's a pretty big board. I, I, okay. I'd have to look at the number right now. We've got 25 or 30 board members 
when we are fully uh, loaded up. And I, I know we have some openings right now. I, our board members are uh, amazing sources of advice for us, especially during COVID. There's been some tough decisions to make and having a board that has our back has been invaluable in trying to decide whether do you put some of these programs on hold? Do, right. do you, most of our experiences are in person, but we weren't able, especially last year, we had to shut everything down for quite a while. And we've very intentionally tiptoed back to in-person events over the last year, but we needed some advice on the best way to do that. You know, how many levels, let's say, of safety precautions do we require? Do we, do we need waivers? Do we need legal protection? Do we need, uh, you know, how big a spaces do we need to rent for, for different size groups? So our board has been invaluable on that. They have helped us with strategic planning. Uh, every three years, we will update our strategic plan and they hold us accountable. And we work very closely with our board on that. And we have several subcommittees, finance subcommittee, the, an executive committee that really are, are essential, especially during COVID, to look at the books and see, you know, are we still doing okay? And at Leadership Louisville Center, at this point has had no layoffs um, and and things are starting to look so much better coming into our next fiscal year in terms of the the participants never completely went away but they're really coming back for all of our programs and our board also is our, our number one group of ambassadors so when it is time for applications to open for ignite louisville or leadership louisville our board of directors is out there recruiting for us and spreading the word and being our, uh, our our spokespeople throughout the community. So they are essential to what we do. It doesn't really sound like you only see them once a month or once every other month for that specific board meeting. Yes, um, and the, more so our our president is, is working much more closely with the board. Uh, and I, we don't have monthly meetings of the full board. I want to say we have just have a quarterly meeting of the full board. But things like the finance committee, I know they, especially during COVID, I want to say they were meeting weekly at one point to, to look at the stability of our organization. Our programs are competitive. So programs like Leadership Louisville, like the Bingham Fellows are competitive. And there is a very complex selection process and our board is invaluable in participating in that. And we had a half day board retreat back in February that really helped set the tone for the year. And a lot of the plans and discussions there, uh, we are still trying to act on now. It's just, if we had not had our board on our side, uh, and helping us, I don't know if we would be where we are today. We're not post COVID yet, but starting to see light at the end of the tunnel, maybe. But I think I don't think we could have been here in as good a shape as we are without our board. Just because you have a team of 16 staff members does not mean that the board is not really engaged with your nonprofit. They're looking at your books, like you said. They're recruiting. They're being an ambassador. They're coming to your events and promoting. They are at the strategic planning sessions. They are as engaged as any other nonprofit board would be. That's what I'm hearing from you. And yeah, that's, absolutely. that's an important note for small to medium-sized nonprofits as well. Yeah. If you have a small nonprofit and your board is only three or four people and they are mostly your friends and family, it is time to really look at how you can increase the, the size and the engagement of your board of directors because they are what is going to take you down the road um, and into to greater success. There, there's so many nonprofits that begin with a passionate person with an idea and two or three friends that they put down on the paperwork to, to get the 501c3, but they never revisit that. 
Uh, and sometimes I think there's a caution because the board of directors does have authority ultimately over the organization. And I think some founders are, are, are hesitant to turn that power over. Uh, we find this with a lot of our teams that work out of the community is a lot of opportunity to increase uh, the size and the impact of a board of directors. So yeah, I would, I would definitely say small to medium nonprofits. I think one of the greatest things that you can do to help your impact grow is to see how you can grow the board, but also make sure that they are engaged on, they're not just showing up for a meeting and then logging off. I mean, that's not helping, right? I mean, you could have a hundred people show up for a meeting and then log off and, and, and then it doesn't take the organization. The <laughs> yeah. And then it does, they're, they're not doing anything. They're not moving your organization forward. Right. Why are they even there? Like, what's the point? I was on a board at one point where I felt like all I did was show up once a month, listen to a report out and log off. And it's like, I'm not adding value to this organization, nor am I gaining anything from being here. Mm. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to move on to someplace where they, they can use the help. It's um, a give and so, take. What I just heard you yeah. say, it's a give and take. Like you find value and I find value in the things that I volunteer for and the staff and the nonprofit sees value from me being and you being on a board. So it's, it's reciprocal value. Really another good tip for uh, leaders and nonprofits looking for those leaders and start a relationship. I don't know how you all connect with nonprofits in Louisville who are interested in finding leaders for their uh, volunteer roles. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit right now as we as we talk about the community acceleration team. Sure. So we, uh, nonprofits in Louisville uh, are welcome to reach out to us to say we could use some board members and we will search our alumni database for people with the skill set or the passion for what that organization does. And we will try to make connections and you'll find. We've had so many nonprofit CEOs that go through a program, one of our programs, and if you look at their board of directors a couple years later, there's always some people from their class that have been sucked in or drafted in some way into the mission of the organization. So it is a great recruiting tool, programs like this, for potential board members, for potential donors. Uh, and things like this. And I did mention um, the Encore Louisville program. Yeah. We call those teams that form in Encore Louisville and in our Ignite Louisville program, we call those community acceleration teams. It serves a dual purpose for us. We have current participants and alumni who just wanna get involved. They just wanna give back. And they're looking for places to give back in a meaningful way. And a lot of times if you call and say, hey, I wanna volunteer, you know, it's like, hey, let's, let's you know, we need somebody to, help sort donations. We need somebody to help us deliver goods or meals or, and that those are essential and critical and we need that. But there are some folks in your community that have achieved a level of leadership and influence where they can bring a lot more power with their volunteer time. And so we have these teams. So our Ignite Louisville program is our emerging leaders. They're 25 to 40 years old ish. Our Encore program is our over 55 year old somewhat retiring, mostly baby boomers, they want to give back. And they basically have, you know, decades and decades of wisdom and experience. They've all been the board chair of something, or some of them have been a nonprofit CEO. And we accept proposals from the nonprofit community to the Leadership Louisville Center that says, hey, I need help with strategic decision making. I need help with organizational structure. I need help with board development uh, or board engagement, or I need uh, marketing help. I need fundraising help. The teams don't make calls to raise money, but they will look at the strategies you're using to raise money and offer advice and offer upgrades. So some of our Ignite Louisville teams have done 
complete rebranding and renaming projects for nonprofits and have done complete strategic plans for nonprofits. What which project were you on when you did it, Liz? Rauk Industries, which is which is uh, in yeah, southern yeah. Indiana. Southern Indiana. And it wasn't their entire nonprofit. It was actually their sales side. So they had clients that their program participants uh, would work on projects and they got paid through that. It's a nonprofit with this entrepreneurial portion to it to earn revenue in a different way, which is another thing that we're always talking about at Griffin Fundraising and Marketing is finding ways to diversify your portfolio. And so we supported them on signage and branding and their website. We helped them streamline their proposal systems and processes. We really dug deep into, into this organization that's been around for decades, for decades. And everyone yeah. thinks they know who they are, but they actually don't know everything about them. And I think a lot of nonprofits feel that way, where mm-hmm. people know the name, they just don't know the programs. And so any type of nonprofit always find value in working with some of these these leadership programs that that Aaron's talking about. And I'm thinking that a lot of leadership centers across the country have these same types of programs. Is that right? There's a, there's a good amount. So if you, uh, especially if you're in a medium size city, you should reach out to your leadership program and ask if they do any nonprofit projects with any other programs. Uh, sometimes they take proposals and will pair teams with nonprofits to do some work and you kind of say what you need help with. Sometimes the, the class will subdivide into their own teams and find their own projects, but it's definitely worth asking because I know here in Louisville, we've actually increased our capacity. Now we have two Ignite Louisville classes per year and our Encore class has grown so big that I'm running out of projects for them to do. Mm. You know, If you're listening to this in the Louisville area and your nonprofit could use a team of consultants, whether it's uh, you know, more junior Ignite Louisville participants who will work with you for six months. And, and they're not doing intern work. This is much more strategic and tactical stuff. Uh, Encore Louisville is three-month engagements. It is tough to get the word out, though, that these programs exist. So definitely ask about it in whatever city you're in. On the podcast not too long ago, the Kentucky Nonprofit Network, the associate director, and she was talking about the need for nonprofits has grown exponentially because of the pandemic, especially in health and human services, mental health and education. Definitely the need is out there. I'm just wondering how to connect the two and hopefully communication like these podcasts or avenues of communication can help connect group to these nonprofits across the region and potentially even throughout the state to better our communities because you know we need it right now. Yeah. And it's, I think one of the tricks, Liz, is that it's easy to focus on the urgent and not the important when a situation like, you know, 2020 and 2021 happens. There's so many people with needs that serving the needs becomes the number one priority. And you don't leave any time for planning what's next, what's going to help this organization thrive long term. Uh, sometimes there's a grant that might be available if you only had time to figure out how to write a good proposal for how you might go after it. Or maybe there's a problem that you haven't had a chance to solve. You just keep kicking the can down the road because you don't have the time to sit there and, and work on it. And programs like Encore and Ignite are are here to do that, to 
be a resource that is available. And the reason we kind of pair them together, even though they're very different programs, there's just one proposal process. So if you go to leadershiplouisville.org and there's a button on the menu that says how we help nonprofits, and it will connect you to our proposal form. You can submit a project proposal anytime. Okay, Aaron, I got a question for you. Give us some examples of how these community acceleration teams have impacted the community. I'm not saying pick your favorite. You probably have one favorite back from 2015 when I was in the Ignite <laughs> Louisville program. Your team, Liz, was my, my favorite team, of all time. Of course it was, obviously. And so um, I don't want to, I don't want you know, make others jealous. So just, you know, talk about uh, maybe something more recent. So there is a nonprofit that serves our immigrant refugee community and they needed help. Basically the, the underlying problem was they take donations and then redistribute them to resettled refugees, but they were really struggling with how to get it done. So a team of Ignite Louisville in a six month time period basically emptied out their warehouse went through five or six dumpsters, found out that the nonprofit would just send people out to pick up whatever, whether they could possibly use it or not, and they just kind of put it in the warehouse. There wasn't even a good process to determine what was in the warehouse so they could figure out what to send back out. So over six months, they cleared out the warehouse, they organized it, they created an intake process, they were able to even acquire vehicles for donations to be picked up in. Uh, and it's just kind of leveraging connections, the people in the class, and somebody knew somebody that could create software to help track what was in inventory in the warehouse. And somebody else was able to leverage a connection to get a really cheap lease on a couple of vans that the organization could use. And I just know having talked to that team even a year or two later, that their work had done significant, significant good for that nonprofit. And now on the Encore side, there was actually, we got a call from a foundation that had been struggling with one of the their grantees because there was no movement at the board of directors. It was the same board for decades. There was a struggle to plan for the future. The founder uh, and leader was nearing retirement, but there was no plan on what would happen. And, and this is another thing that we, we notice when these teams are out engaging with nonprofits is a lot of times there isn't good succession planning. Mm -hmm. And if something were to happen to the founder, the nonprofit would basically evaporate and all the work and all the, wow. the, the stuff that they've been planning, there's not a good way for it to carry on. If there's not an engaged board, if there's not a succession plan, what's going to happen if you had to step away from the nonprofit, whether it's, you know, health reasons or burnout or whatever, you know, your organization should be sustainable. So uh, we got a call from a foundation that said, can Encore go help? And Encore was able to go in, do some board development, recruit new board members, take a look at strategic plans that had been shelved, get those re-engaged. And there was even a capital project that had been partially completed, but not totally completed. And they were able to help develop a plan on how they could restart that capital project, get the expansion. It was actually a physical structure that they were working on, get that finished, 
so that the nonprofit could expand the services that they were offering. They had one building that was really, really old. They were trying to do too much in it. They had half a building built next door, but the, the fundraising had dried up and they hadn't finished it. So the Encore team really did a ton of work. And, and the nonprofit now is better off? Absolutely. It's been, I haven't checked back in a while. That one was about a year and a half. Well, it's probably more like two years. Doesn't it feel like COVID? Like I say it was a year ago. No, no. We were in the middle of COVID a year ago. It was probably two years ago. So having had COVID hit, I can't, I can't tell you that I've checked on it in a while, but I know the step one to any of that, uh, any of this work was getting the board re-engaged and they were able to definitely do that, recruit new board members who were going to carry the torch forward. Reciprocal value that we were talking about earlier. A board member finds value in being a part of the team. The, the nonprofit has value with that board member being on the team. What is one piece of advice that you could leave us with as far as leadership goes as we wrap up this part of our episode? One piece of advice is always be open to feedback. Uh, I think that this is something that people struggle with as they are growing personally, whether they're trying to grow their organization or their company, is being open to listening to others and to making yourself better. And we always like to say that programs like Leadership Louisville are there for people who want to continue learning, to want to be lifelong learners, to continue to grow their leadership abilities. So it's that investing in yourself. But I think one of the most important things, and especially as we're talking about 2020 and the calls for social justice, and a lot of companies are are starting to really have to look deeply at their practices and their policies and how to create inclusive spaces. And nonprofits, I know, are struggling with lack of diversity on staff and on boards and it's sometimes tough to get the feedback that you've been doing it wrong or you haven't been inclusive but there is nothing more important right now to every organization than to create safe spaces for everyone to participate everyone to benefit and i think being open to feedback on your leadership style is is where it all starts great advice for anyone really or what type of leader you want to be always be open to feedback and that's that's not always easy. If you lead a team and the team gives you feedback, it is critical to not get upset about it, but to listen and really reflect on it and see how you can uh, make a better place for uh, everyone on your team to work. Well, thank you, Aaron, again, for being here with us as we move to my one common questions. These are, don't be scared. They're not going to be too hard. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> But, I think um, I can handle it. I think you can do it, though. What is the the one thing that you could say that is your favorite about working in nonprofit? My favorite thing about working in nonprofit is the feeling that I'm making a difference. Uh, there is nothing better than running one of our programs and at the end of it, having a participant let us know how their eyes have been open to what's going on in the city because of it. So that, that for me, the feeling that we've made a difference, we're making an impact on leaders in the city uh, is the part of this that, that I love absolutely. Okay, so now what is the one thing that you love less about working in nonprofit? Not hate, just love less. I don't love how some people see the nonprofit industry as optional. 
or not as important as other industries. If you look at the number of people that work in nonprofit, at the economic impact of nonprofits, we are a huge part of the economy, not often are appreciated as being so. So I think that there is a tendency for to minimize the impact of nonprofits and the importance uh, of nonprofits. And there's a great TED Talk by Dan Pelota that I love that is about why everything you think about the nonprofit industry is wrong, where he hits on some of the, you know, the rules for the for-profit world don't apply to the nonprofit world. And that is why the nonprofit world isn't thriving as much as it should. If you haven't watched that one, you've got to watch it. It's great. What is one of your favorite resources that you would like to share? And don't cheat and say the Leadership Louisville Center. <laughs> no. <laughs> one of my favorite resources, kind of nonprofit specific resources? No, no, no. Just just like one of my favorite nonprofit resources. Uh, well, in my work that I do is using Canva.com. I love to use Canva for my designs. I got one. Okay, what is it? I think one of my favorite resources is audiobooks. This seems lame, but Audible has allowed me to get through so many great books that I don't have time to read. I've got kids and a job and everything else, and I would love to read more and everyone's always reflecting on the, oh, you gotta, you've got to read this book. You've got to read White Fragility or you've got to read mm -hmm. The Warmth of Mother Sons. So there's all these yeah. books people throw at me. And I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be great. I should totally read that. And then, you know, once the kids are in bed and it's like, I'm snoring. My, my membership, I joined Audible four or five years ago and I've gotten through dozens of books just commuting back and forth to work or mowing the grass or whatever. I'm always listening to an audio book and uh, I love it. And I've learned so much from that. So if you're, if you haven't tried audiobooks yet, whatever your library, you can download your library's app. You can probably yeah. get free audiobooks on there. Yeah. Yeah. I ha also have an audible and it does. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, what's the guy that did the tipping point? Malcolm Gladwell. He has a new one that I just listened to that was fascinating about how people build trust with each other. I'm not even going to remember the name of it, but it's the new Malcolm Gladwell audiobook is fantastic. Last question, and then we'll wrap up for, for this episode. What is one thing that you're seeing in the community or the nonprofit industry that is being positively impacted in DEI, so diversity, equity, and inclusion? So what is something that DEI is making a positive mm -hmm. impact on in... Yes. The nonprofit industry, or I think conversations about DEI and kind of the next step beyond that, which is belonging. So, you know, diversity being, you know, where there's there's a good mix of people, inclusion meaning everybody has a seat at the table. Uh, belonging is when you really feel like your invitation to the table wasn't just for show, and that your voice matters, and that. Uh, you are valued at the table. I, I think that the conversations people have started having in the last 12 months are increasing the size of the table and the number of people invited to it. Uh, we just actually did a DEI session with our Leadership Louisville class very recently. And one of the questions that we asked is, do you think that the leadership team at your organization is diverse and has representation from different races and ethnicities, LGBTQ+, folks with disabilities. I mean, are you seeing gender uh, uh, equality and equity? Are you seeing improvements at the top? And the, the answer this year was a lot 
higher percentage of people said yes, they felt like the leadership team at their organization was diverse than it was a year ago. I think boards uh, in nonprofits are becoming more diverse. Um, and I'm, I'm a white guy, so like I, I welcome all of this. If it means I don't get invited to something because uh, a woman or a person of color uh, has been invited to something, that's a good thing. There's plenty of people that look like me on every board and every boardroom and in every CEO chair. Uh, and it is time for more diverse representation in, in all of these places. So I think that there's a lot of positive change in that realm. It's not enough and it's not going to make up for everything that's been done wrong for you know the last 400 years. But I am getting the sense that it's not a short-term Band-Aid. Yeah. I am seeing more systemic intentions to change. Doesn't mean change has happened right. yet. Um, and it's always slower coming than it needs to be. There's still some wind in the sails and I'm optimistic that it'll stay that way. And I think I, I'm included in this group. I can, are concerned that people are checking a box or something shiny and new has come along and that's what they need to focus their attention on instead of staying with making sure that people feel that they belong and are welcomed and are needed during decision-making. And so I'm yeah. glad to hear that you're seeing it not just go away. Well, and there's a there's a foundation here in Louisville that has said that for their upcoming grant proposal period that they're not even going to look at grants from organizations whose board of directors aren't at least 51% diverse. So, it's going to start hitting the pocketbooks if you don't take it seriously and you well, don't start looking at diversifying. Road, right? Yeah. That's great. That's wonderful. Well, thank you again so much for being on the show today. Aaron Miller from the Leadership Louisville Center has been with us talking about leadership and how nonprofits can thrive when leadership is developed, when leadership is engaged, and how it can long-term be a successful opportunity for our nonprofits as they, as they grow. This has been Small Shop Fundraising. I'm your host, Liz Hack. Thanks for listening.